Good morning, everybody. Appropriate music this morning just helps our hearts with a lot that's going on. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to look with me this morning at Psalm 46. I'll read it. There are 11 verses, beginning with verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar, the kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth, He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. This psalm I think today, this morning, if I were to give it a title, it is a reminder in troubled times. We see some of the things in this little psalm unfolding in our world today. Kingdoms totter, nations are moved. trouble, tribulation. This is a wonderful psalm with um, a number of encouraging words to us and encouraging actions that we're to take ourselves. God comforts us and there are things that we do to encourage ourselves. In dire, dire straits for King David once. It says he went, a, went apart from everyone. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. God encouraged him, but he did some encouraging of himself. This is that kind of a psalm. So there are, there are at least five things that I want us to see here. <clears throat> the first three verses we have a refuge. There is a refuge here, a fortress. 
In fact, this is um, one of the psalms, primary psalm, that Martin Luther attached to his great hymn, unsurpassed hymn, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. This psalm that God is our refuge was part of his inspiration for that, that hymn. I can't go into all the things that were going on then, but he was threatened with death and it was dark days. This psalm is made for those kinds of times in our life. This is a God's a refuge. We have a refuge. And the statements that he makes here remind us the refuge is not anything earthly. Even the mountains. We, I can't remember what insurance company it is, um, that uses the rock of Gibraltar as their, they think they've copyrighted it, but God put it there. But it's, the, the whole image is something is unshakable. It'll never go away. It's permanent. Well, that isn't even true. That's not even true. This talks of the mountains slipping into the sea. What? What we thought was permanent? It's not. But he is. Even the mountains and the sea. The uh, great creations that seem unmovable will be moved. But God won't. And the encouragement here is in this second part of verse 1. A very present help in trouble. Literal translation, many of you may have seen it. An abundantly available help in tight places. That's good. I think, I don't know, I think we're all kind of in the same boat. We look at everything around us. We look at our culture, our country. Everywhere it seems that we look, we're in tight places. We, we just feel like maybe the walls are coming in on us and we can't get a break. Seems like one thing leads to the next and you never get time to just stop and get your breath. God is an abundantly available help in tight places. He's right there. He's right there. He said, I'm closer than your hands or your feet. I will not leave you. I won't destroy you. I won't abandon you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you orphans. I will be with you. We have, we have a place to hide, a refuge. Nothing here. And we, I think we all know, it, we do have peace, the scripture says. Psalms are filled with the kind of statement that when the righteous rule, the people are glad. 
there's happiness. That yes, there, so there's comfort that comes from physical things. We know that. But when those vanish, and they do because they're not permanent, we've, we have one and only one, but it's a good one, a rock in a weary land. We have God. He's going nowhere. He's unperturbed. He rules in tranquility. God doesn't chew his fingernails. He never gets in a hurry. He's never caught off guard. He can't be caught off guard. He always knows exactly what's coming down the road, and he's perturbed by nothing. He's our refuge. Second, he's our resource. This little next section, there is a river that makes glad the city of God. The picture here is of an everlasting supply. There's a river. And it makes glad. Its streams, its tributaries, reach everyone in the kingdom of God, in the city of God. And we, we find life-giving sustenance from that river, of which there's no end. What is that river, really? Well, it's the grace of God, which never ends. It is the buoying up that God gives us in hard days. It's the comfort, and sometimes it's almost invisible and unfeeling. We, we can't even pinpoint it. But we can imagine how far worse would we feel if it were not for that invisible grace that God is just carrying us with. It's a river. Never ends. It's the Word of God, too. The Word of God, how dear the Word of God is to us and the promises that God gives us from His Word are a comfort. They're always so timely. It just isn't an accident the way God will confront us with a verse of Scripture and how He will. It's, it's tailor-made for what I need right then. That's this river um, that we can camp by. We have that picture, Psalm 1, the tree planted by the rivers of water. They never, they never fail, they never die, and they bring forth fruit in their season. They survive, even in drought. We're planted by that river. So we have a resource in God's, His ever-present spirit, His sovereign supply of all we need. We, we live by God's river, never dries up never goes away, never changes channels. It's always there. We have a record. Verses 8 and 9, God has given us a completely open record of his acts. Come and behold the works of the Lord. In other words, 
But now we know this. God is the most transparent being. He has nothing to hide. And he gives us, he gives us so much evidence on which to ground our faith. Um, people will talk, and we'll, I think we understand what we mean, but we'll talk about just naked faith, nothing, just, just faith. There is no such thing. There's no such thing as naked faith, meaning that has no props, has no evidence. We are so surrounded by God's the evidence of God's faithfulness, his immense power, his goodness to us that never fails. Here's how much we have. We have so much evidence that if I do not believe it, we'll perish. Because to God, the worst sin in God's sight, is unbelief. It's I don't believe his word. I don't believe his character. I don't believe his integrity. And I do not, I cannot rely on what he has said. That whatsoever, Romans says, whatever is not of faith is sin. Now we tend to think that the socially unacceptable, the, the, the lurid, the grisly, the horrible kinds of sin. Well, that's really sin. No, you know what? To God, the most piercing, going to the heart of God, sin, is to say, I don't trust you. That's why, what does God require in order to even approach him. Hebrews says you can't even come to God except what? You believe that he is, that's his existence, and you believe that he will reward those who diligently seek him. That's his character. So the only way I can ever get right with God is to believe him. The worst thing I can do is not believe him. God's opened the books, showed us his record, and he says, come and look, all the things that God's done. We can't go through all of the miraculous, perfect timing things that God has done down through the ages where he has rescued his people. We have, of course, a record in scripture and we have a record just in history of all the times God, when it looked hopeless, God opened a door that was beyond anything we could imagine. I believe with all my heart, every word in Scripture. And I remember in seminary, the seminary didn't teach this, but we had to read crazy stuff that other people thought. Um, interesting to read of God's works and how men explain them away as natural happenings. Now, you didn't know this. I didn't know this till, you know, I got into seminary. But God didn't divide the Red Sea. It's a real shallow 
really shallow marsh kind of as all it was, and uh, an east wind, which they come all the time, so God didn't need to do that. But God, you know, I, maybe he looked and watched, but this wind blew sand. It's a desert. Blew sand into the marshy areas and kind of built up a causeway where they could walk across and get to the other side. And now I don't know how, I can't remember how they explained that the Egyptians trying to go on that same sand causeway all drowned. I'll have to go back and find that book. And then they had no food. Roughly three million people, no food. Well, there's a little bush in the deserts there, and it has little drops of sap. And those little drops of sap fell beneath the little bushes, and the people gathered that, and they ate that, and they survived. Three million of them. No, God rained bread down from heaven. That's the God. That's the God we serve. See why he says, don't be afraid. I, I've got it. I'm taking care of you. He's written all of this down in a book, plus so much. Remember John's words at the end of his gospel. He said, Jesus himself, just in his three years, he did so much more than is written in this book. He said, if we wrote them all, the world couldn't contain the books. Come and behold. Come and look at what God's done. So there is a, there's an open record of God's works, of what he has done to prove himself, to demonstrate not only his ability, but his unending faithfulness. He cannot ever not be faithful. So we have a record. Fourth, we have a requirement. Now the requirement is um, the, the little command that is given to us in verse 10. In verse 10, and verse 10 is the only verse in this whole 11 verses where God himself speaks. The psalmist is speaking about God and turning our eyes to God and describing God in all the other verses. But in this one, God speaks. And he simply says, this says, New American Standard, cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. That's his portion of this psalm. He really gives us two commands. We know the old versions, be still and know that I am God. So there are two things here. One, be still. Still ourselves. We are, not only as humans, but I think in our particular culture, we disdain tranquility, rest. We elevate, exalt, celebrate frantic action. Busyness. I remember when, back when cell phones were, finally got small enough that you could hang them on your belt, which isn't cool anymore. But 
it became a badge that you're so busy and you're so sought after that you, you have to have this thing hanging on your belt because being busy and frazzled and running 65 ways, that's, you're important. It, we celebrated it. Had a crazy neighbor, loved him, character of a neighbor. And he said, you know, I don't have a cell phone yet, and the one I got is from one of those old, with the pull, you know, you pull the antenna. But he said, I figured out I can clip my garage door opener through my belt, and people, then they'll, then they'll think I'm busy. If they don't look close at it, they'll think it's a phone. That's how nuts our culture is. We celebrate. And God said, shh, be still. Just be still. And the second command is just as much as the first one. No. That is not just passive. It's think that and talk to yourself. God has this. Take a breath. Now, I know how hard that is. Personalities, too, of many of us are in such a way that it makes it even harder. But God said, you be still. Just be quiet. Now, let me just try to give you this. How do you do that? We're in, we're, we have so many things coming at us at once, and we're just, we're frazzled. How do you do this? I hope this won't create more confusion or I can't explain it very well, so it's no help. But we have really, from God, part of our image of God, we have three fundamental faculties that we, powers, you could say, I guess, that we have. One is power of choice. It's called volition. I have a will. Second, I have the capacity to reason, to think. That will, and I'm not trying to be, that will vary among people, okay? There's not a lot in that particular room with some people, okay? But we have the capacity to think, to reason. A, if A is true and B is true, C must be true. A syllogism. We can think. God gave us that. And then third, we have the wide range of emotions. We have, old theologians called it affections, our feelings. So we have a will, reasoning capacity, and feelings. Now, in this world of ours, and especially in a fallen world where there is an, a supernatural enemy. The devil has, in many ways, almost, I still have control, but he has unfettered access to two of those three faculties. The devil can greatly affect my feelings. That's why we can't depend on feelings to guide us. We're in a culture today where no one takes responsibility for will. I couldn't help it. 
So nobody can help it. So I don't know what happens to Will, but it, it, the problem, the, the, the good thing about getting rid of Will is you also, the minute Will goes out the window as far as a power I have, so does accountability. So well, how wonderful it is to say, I couldn't help it. I was overpowered. All responsibility is gone. But in our day, will is completely gone because responsibility is gone. Two, reason is gone. And everything we do today is based mostly on feeling, emotions. We, it's amazing um, how people make major decisions on their feelings. All the way from personal life decisions to, well, we vote for people because of their looks, their speech or ability to speak. You know, they're, they're articulate. The devil's pretty articulate. We, we are, we've, we have done in our culture, we've gone to the weakest, most undependable part of us, and that's become the center of how we live, what I feel. We don't even hardly anymore use the word, I think this is, it's, well, I feel, here's how I feel. And those are your feelings, but you can't tell me how I feel because my feelings. We, we, we are clear down here just one notch above amoebas. Now, so, but how do we live in a world with those three capacities? First of all, we can will without our feelings. Here's something the devil does to believers. He will numb our feelings, make us feel even as we read. Yeah, any of you here, and I'll have, you can raise your hand, stand, we'll applaud you or something. Anybody whose mind has never wandered while you're reading the Bible, word of, the word of God, it's God's word. I would never have my mind wandered. God's word. Anybody ever had their mind? How many of you have bowed your head to pray and you're talking to the maker of the universe who holds your breath? You begin to pray to him and pretty soon you're thinking, man, alive, I'm out of I, I don't have enough gas for the mower. I should have gotten it last week and I got to mow this afternoon because that miserable yard is... And then... You, no one here has ever done that, right? The devil is very good because he has total access to our feelings. We think then, and then here's what he does. After your mind goes clear off, he's right there to say, if you were fervent, if you really loved God, if he was close at hand, your mind wouldn't wander. You wouldn't feel like that. He's the one that made you feel that way because he has access to your feelings. He also has access to our minds. He can disturb our minds. He can suggest facts to us 
when we're making an opinion about something or another person or whatever. He is good at suggesting things to us and a frame of mind, a mood, a direction which is completely false can then begin to direct us. And if we rely on that, we can be dreadfully wrong. Will then, will sits in the wheelhouse and feelings and reason inform will, but they cannot persuade will unless will decides to do it. Now, just a side note, Will often can decide something first. That's what I want. And lo and behold, feelings and reason become servants to will. And reason can present magnificent arguments as to why you should have what will wants. You understand? I tell you that salesman, he just... And I, I don't know, I just signed up and bought that truck. You know what? It can't happen. You wanted that before you went in. Will had already tipped the scale. And so reason and feelings come along to support what you already want. Okay? It's kind of like the old statement, it was still holds true. <clears throat> it's pretty easy to pray through on a spouse after you've fallen in love. Understand? I want that house. I want this. I want that. And lo and behold, my thinking comes around. I wanted it first. Will has got to maintain control. And this is where he calls for that. Our feelings in today's world, I don't think any of us, if we're honest, feel today serene, content, unworried, unperturbed. I don't think anybody. If you do, you don't have a pulse. We're just in a maelstrom it's just a whirlwind, it seems like. And that affects our feelings. We can't help it. And then it affects our reason. And depending partly on your temperament, your reason always goes to dark places. I tell you, it's all over. It's hopeless. It's done. No hope. We might as well just head for the mountains and, you know, pull the ladder up after us and we're done. Because it's hopeless. Feelings impact my thinking. But will, as a Christian, will can put a stop to that. Will can say, no, I know what it feels like. I know what it seems to be like. I know what it looks like. And I don't feel like God's close to me. And I don't feel like God's hearing prayers. And it seems like a whole row of things that I've prayed for didn't happen. I don't know why. But will can say, but choice, volitionally, 
I know, be still and know, I know God's true from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. He can't lie, can't deny himself. He ever lives. Little verse back in Isaiah, he said, he, God just said, I lift my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. Will can say then, I know. And will then tells reason and feelings lag. But will says, I'm going to be still. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to turn my eyes to God. I don't care what I feel like. My feelings are not trustworthy. They're not. And most of our brains aren't trustworthy. But my will can say, I will believe God. If we could look, we don't have the time obviously, but if we could look through Scripture, both Old and New Testament, of the thousands of places where even if we have to get down to the original language, people, people are saying, I will obey. I will believe. I will walk with God without feelings. We do it. So there are times when we don't feel, but that doesn't matter. I can say, Lord, I choose to believe you. Feels as dark and abandoned, but I, I don't care what I feel like. You're here. You're true. You fill the whole earth. You know the hairs of our head. You know every sparrow. I will trust you. That's what he's calling us there to do. That's the command. Be still and know I'm God. He has no rivals. He has no challenger. He's God. So finally, then we have in 11 a reminder. And it's spoken twice. Verse 7, verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, our fortress, our refuge. And everyone, I think we know, the word hosts, when it's used in many of the versions of the scripture, is God of the armies. And he's the general. And there is no end to his soldiers and his armament. I know that we have very impressive armaments today. and We can blow all kinds of stuff up. Not like God. I can, I remember when the years, and I suppose they're still around, but the word, or the, the letters, mad, between us and Russia, everything was mad. Mutually assured destruction. And really, with puffed up heads, we all walked around, I tell you, we've got the power to just destroy the earth. I can't even believe it. And God's rolling his eyes. When Mount St. Helens blew up and I was living in Portland and saw all that going on, and, you know, we, we all became, what, vulcanated, volcano, itis, whatever. 
we all had degrees because that's all they had in the papers. And they were interviewing all these geologists and all that. But somebody estimated. And they showed a graph in the Oregonian of the greatest Krakatoa and some of these great volcanoes that are blown up. And they showed the entire, the entire American arsenal of nuclear weapons. And the, 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 it was a little picture of an explosion. Mount St. Helens was something like a hundred times. And it was the littlest volcano on this graph they had. And then clear over here on the end, about, the, uh, about a pencil point, was the entire arsenal of the U.S., our whole armament. I tell you what, we can blow things up around here. And God said, listen, here's what I call one of those little, you know those little things you get for little t kind, tiny kids on the 4th of July where they throw the little paper wrap thing to... God said, here's Mount St. Helens, and here's what you guys got. Listen, God, God's the army general, the Lord of the armies. That's who's on our side. He'll take care of us. I want to close with an old hymn. I hope a number of us know it. Be still my soul, taken, another hymn, taken from this good psalm. So, we'll stand, if you would please, when that, that'll come up on the screen, join me and then Tanner will, or Dan, you'll close in prayer. Faithful. 
Before I pray, on behalf of Rachel and I, it's nice to be back. We love you guys, and I want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all of you that have been praying for us. We are so grateful, and uh, we missed you guys a ton, and it's just nice to be home is what I would say. So just love you guys a bunch, so thank you. I've missed the quiet of this sanctuary. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are good, and we are grateful to have the opportunity to gather together this morning to worship the one true living God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth our pastor spoke this morning, that you are our help. You are our fortress. You are our God. And if God be for us, who can be against us? I pray, Lord, that you would help us to remember you are a God of truth and the devil is a liar. And when we know there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, there is no shame for the righteous. Help us to hang on to those. May those be our anchor that we sang about this morning. I pray, Lord, that we remember that we stand on the rock that is Jesus Christ, that nothing can shake us. And when we look at the, the landscape of the world, Lord, horizontally, very uneased when we look around. But if we will keep an eternal perspective in the midst of these temporal situations, we will behold the glory of God and know that you are on your throne, that you are in the midst of what we're going through and what's going on, and you are going to help us where we need it, when we need it. Help us to be faithful as a congregation, Lord, to do as your word tells us to do. Draw near to you that you might draw near to us. Father, we love you with all of our hearts, and we're so grateful this morning for the word. May you brand these things upon our heart, and may we always remember it is by your grace and by your mercy and by the power of your Holy Spirit that we live this life. And may this be a congregation, a family of believers, that everything we do is for your glory. So when we get upset and we get distracted from your presence and who you are, help us to do what we learned this morning. One of the hardest things we do, Lord, just be still and listen for your voice to guide us through the wilderness in all that we do. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for being our God, our Lord, and our Savior. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great day, everyone.